Cash is trash. You should you should store in something else, not financial advice. And spend cash. Right. You should save in some something that accrues value or at least maintains value. And you should spend in something that loses value. I mean, literally, this is what inflation is. So the, the way to think of inflation, if you're still sort of having difficulty conceptualizing it, is that inflation is like um, you, your money being ice cubes. The longer you hold on to the ice cubes, the less ice you have. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. If you're on YouTube now, smash the like button, hit the subscribe button. New episode every Tuesday, 5am. Today I am joined again by my co-conspirator, Schmidt. Um, but that's actually not the important part. The important that's, part is how you pronounce that's, it. That's incidental. <laughs> the important part is what we're going to talk about today. So let me do a little, uh, let me do my little introduction. Bitcoin is the Brazilian jiu-jitsu of money. The power of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is in its use of leverage and body mechanics to create a system that is at the same time ruthlessly effective, efficient and infinitely variable and individually provable with a feedback loop. To quote a coding parlance, it is elegant. It allows the practitioner to see a technique and then try it out on a resisting opponent in real time to ascertain if it is actually effective or not. You see a technique and then you try it out to discover whether it works or not. This concept can be encapsulated in three words. Don't trust. Verify. And this is in fact the strap line that Bitcoin uses. Don't trust. Verify. BJJ is a child of the internet, just like Bitcoin. The rise of YouTube, social media, memes and a proliferation of interest from the younger generation is a commonality to both. Bitcoin was birthed in January 2009 following the 2008 financial crisis. BJJ exploded onto the world scene in November 1993 after the world saw Heist Gracie defeat all comers in UFC 1. But both have blossomed through the networking power of the internet, portable mobile computing, social media adoption, but most importantly, because they work, because they solved a problem, because they are elegant. They are, in my opinion, mirrors of one another. Bitcoin is the BJJ of money. What do you think? It encapsulates it neatly. <laughs> Ish. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Have you seen the price today? Yeah, crazy, right? Rocking up. The funny thing is, I hadn't actually, obviously, like a lot of, uh, lot of crypto investors, I don't like looking at the price for, you know, when, when, during a bear market, but suddenly as soon as the market goes up, I'm, I'm referring to the price all the time, I've got a little ticker on my watch. Well, the funny thing is, I last looked at it when the price was 26000 Yeah. That was only a couple of days ago, probably three days ago, four days ago. Over the, like. over it's the now 34, the weekend, 34 right? and a half. Yeah. Nuts. Which is a big move. Do you hear why though? Uh, well, it's apparently ETF is what yeah, but, I heard. Yeah, but BlackRock. Apparently uh, uh, DTCC, um, they leaked the ticker of, you know, the soon to come, uh, soon so to come ETF. I so mean, there was a lot of noise about it over the last 
few weeks, right? Yeah. The but, then, ETF, but then don't ETF, forget, ETF. Like, like a lot of Bitcoin, you know, a lot of Bitcoin rumors and stuff, you know, you, you tend to sort of end up attributing uh, something to, you know, to something just to say that's why it moved. So who knows? But yeah, that's I obviously going to play a big part. I, I think, I think we, you know, we can actually, probably we can speculate better on why it moved at the end of this when we run through all the kind of bits and pieces about what actually is it. What, what drives price, what informs price, what is money, all of that stuff. So um, I, think, I think it's important to start off with a definition of money. What is money? So that's a question that I would ask to any of you guys who are listening. What is money? Do you know what money actually is? Like, do you, What would you say if I asked you? An IOU. An IOU? A little slip saying, you're going to pay me. Because effectively, that's what it is. If you look on every banknote, what does it say? I promise to pay the bearer £10. Yeah. And so then effectively, you're trading those IOUs. You're saying, yeah, take so, it, it's good but that, Then that is, that actually is, the, is the, the point that's important. That's not money. That is literally an IOU. That IOU doesn't, possess most of the qualities of money so let me grab my trusty old macbook funny enough because right at the beginning you said don't trust verify and effectively here and it's just probably a sort of side thought but effectively over here the whole system is based on trust everything's based on trust yeah. except jujitsu <laughs> um but but yeah, I mean that that's that's literally the what I want to try to address and what I want to get around is that what we consider as money. So in we're in the UK, so we would it would be pounds and pennies. In Europe, it's euros. In the US, it's dollars. Wherever you are, you know you have your currency that you not just you trade with, but you you measure and denominate yourself with. Um, so you, you kind of, um, note the value of things based in the currency that you use. So like, if I ask you how much was that bottle of water, you're going to tell me it was a pound. You're not going to tell me it was an eighth of a gram of silver or it was, you know, one dollar 20 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't use dollars. Right. So we kind of think in our, in our currency, that's how we, that's how we measure things. The same, the same way that you probably think in miles an hour or you probably measure in meters and kilometers. If I say to you, yeah, how sure. far is it? You know, you don't go, oh, it's 67 tambourines away. It's like 40 meters, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a difference between currency and money. Um, so I want to give a, give a, like a sort of a definition of what money is and then the qualities that money must possess in order to be money. So what is money? Money is a technology used to store the energy created by your labor and your time. Money is also a medium of exchange. Think of it like a battery where you can share the energy in exchange for stuff. We have been tricked to think of money only as a medium of exchange because the money we use is inflationary i.e. it is designed to lose value over time. This money is actually not money, it is fiat currency. The fiat currency we have been tricked into using is designed 
to lose value over time. It is, in short, a leaky, shitty battery. So the qualities of sound money, what makes good money? So good money needs to possess certain qualities. Are ice cubes good money? No, no durability. No durability. Are blades of grass good money? No. Too many of them. They're all different. Mm. What about diamonds? Don't know, you tell me. Not really. I mean, I've got one big one, you've got two small ones. Like, how do we... Yeah, perceive value. We, we can't, but we yeah, can't use them as money because we can't agree. The value. There's three big ones. Is it worth seven little ones? We don't know. So the answer is no. <laughs> 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 For all you guys listening at home and on the road in your truck, in your car, the answer is no. Good money must have the following six qualities. Durability. Is it a good store of value? Portability. Can I transport it? Divisibility, can I chop it into small pieces? Fungibility, is each piece identical and interchangeable? Rarity, is there a limited supply? And acceptability, will people give you stuff in return for it? So for something to qualify as good money, it, it has to cover all those things. And the, the argument that I would make is that fiat currency, the, the pounds, dollars, euros actually doesn't satisfy most of those. Um, right. They're fungible. So a dollar's a dollar's a dollar's dollar, you know, pound coins, if we all put them in because we're playing poker or whatever, you're not going to say, hey, that's not the pound coin I put in, I want my one. They're, 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 they're um, fungible, that's no problem. They're divisible, it's no problem. can have a penny, so you can pretty much nothing you can't buy for, you know, a multiple of a penny. Portability is pretty good. You can you can carry it around with you. But durability, so as far as it being a, a store of value and rare, rarity in, as far as it being like a limited supply, they're horrible. They just print and print and print and print, you know. And this is something that I wanted to get onto and maybe you can kind of talk about a little bit more, is what actually happens in the banking system. Because before I started looking into this stuff, my kind of assumption, maybe overly naively, but my assumption was I deposit money in the bank or my salary goes into the bank or whatever. They've got like a really cool vault with like a time lock and a like a big massive wheel on it. It's really thick, like can withstand a small yeah, nuclear like a weapon. Like, right. And they put my money in there and then they keep it safe. And then when I need some, I go there and withdraw it. And then in the morning, they're like, right, we need to take some money out. Jason wants some money. And they take it out and then they send it to the cash point and I, and I get it back. But that's not actually no. <laughs> what happens, right? No, that's probably the last you see of your money. So, I mean, those exact banknotes. Yeah, but, but so, so, so coming from a, from a f- sort of financialized background, what, what goes on with with that fiat currency, when it can, when my, my employer pays it into my account or I deposit some money in or whatever, what do they actually do with it? They basically on-lend it. That's what a bank does, right? They basically, they borrow the money from you and lend it to somebody else. They're the broker in the middle. So all they're doing, they're basically borrowing the money from you for, let's say, if your savings account is paying you 2%, they're borrowing it, for, for, borrowing it from you for 2% and on-lending it at 6%, 7%, whatever it might be, something higher. That's what they're doing. Now the question is, and probably I'm jumping a little bit ahead, the question is, where you know, how many people are they lending that money to repeatedly again and again and again? 
that could be multiples. Now, all banks have to keep a certain amount of money in in you know in real cash reserves, um, and I say or liquid reserves. But at the end of the day, yeah, they're lending out to multiple people because they're betting or they're they're effectively taking the punt that not everyone's going to want their money back very very quickly there and then on that day. And that's why you don't need to then keep as much money, and this is why you get bank runs and so forth, as you know, as we know. Yeah. So effectively. When I deposit a pound into my account, am I right in saying that they can lend out ten pounds? Is it about ten to one that that can be lent, or is not is not an exact number? No, it's it's not an exact number. I mean, it's moving around all the time, but um, there are percentages. That but it's they have to it's keep. more than my pound, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so then that that kind of should raise the first warning flag. So I, I give them a pound and then they lend the pound, let's say, to five different people. Right. So what happens if one or two or three of those people don't want to give the pound back? And what happens if I want my pound back? So it's a yeah, problem but, to, to... Yeah, but, but I mean, what, what happens in that situation or in that sort of, you know, that, that whole kind of scenario that you painted, it's... <laughs> Number one, you know, people, their models will be be there saying, prob, you know, probability based models saying, okay, this is how much we're probably going to need on this particular day. Now, if they haven't got it, they can borrow from other sources. They can borrow overnight. They can borrow for an hour. They can borrow, you know, from other other banks as well. Other, you know, throughout the industry. But the problem is, when you have that situation, why is it? Un- what's the underlying reason why that's happened in the first place? Why has there been a sudden rush for a lot of people to ask their money back, right? And then it comes back to that trust issue where, okay, well, there's clearly some murmurings, you know, that there's something's, something's happening, something's cooking, um, and that's why everyone wants their money back. And that's why usually what kills everyone is a bank run because suddenly everyone wants their money, no one wants to give money at all to them, you know, whether it's wholesale banking or retail bank or anything, everyone wants their money back. And so what you end up with is a bank run where they just can't give back the money to everybody all at the same time. If they just had a little bit of time, um, you know, almost like administration where you get a little bit, almost like a freeze order and you can then go out to people and say, okay, give me this and I'll give you that. Because don't forget there's millions and millions and millions of accounts all, all sort of contouring each other and stuff like that, netting off. Um, so if you actually had some sort of free, you know, standstill agreement where you say, okay, right, we're just going to, we're just going to stop everything and we're now going to, you know, sort out our affairs, the bank will probably survive. You know, that institution will probably survive. But usually what happens is, you know, there's just a massive rush from top to bottom, and you have to end up going to the Bank of England. Therefore, you've been bailed out. Yeah, and so this is the this is the kind of the next level of complication, I, I guess you could say, is that the Bank of England for us, or the ECB, the European Central Bank, or the is it the Fed in the US would be the equivalent? Yeah. That's like the backstop. So if NatWest or whoever yeah. goes short of money... Um, they would then go to the Bank of England and say, listen, we need right. overnight, whatever it is, five billion pounds because we've people want some money back, basically. But my 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 question then is what happens if the Bank of England doesn't have the money? I think I mean in that situation it's a little bit like um we were, I think we were talking about um the you know the UK government's national savings um, national savings account that pays six point two percent, but it's not guaranteed. But the point is, 
if the Bank of England's going under and they, you know, if the UK government can't pay you your money back, we've got slightly bigger problems than, you know, what's happening to my bank account. You know, the country's probably being bombed or something, you know, something equally horrible. And that, therefore, it doesn't really matter. Um, yes. And in particular, being the Bank of England, you know, being a, you know, a, what do you call it, a G7 or, you know, whatever it is, whatever, whatever the number is now, you know, it just wouldn't happen. If it happens, you know, we've got some major worries. You know, we've got other things to worry about rather than just our bank accounts. Yeah. So, so then, but then, this is kind of like go, goes a little bit philosophical, a little bit esoteric. Because if if we, if we sort of agree, I don't know, maybe we don't agree, but if we agree that energy is like a way to store uh, money is a way to store energy, so you're kind of harnessing the the work that you've done and you're putting it in a form where you can keep it somewhere. So that's that's effectively, it's it's sort of a form of energy that you can store across time to use when you need it. Would would you agree with that, or you not really? No, not really. I I I don't even understand what that means. What does that mean? What do you mean? It's, it's a store of energy. Well, on, I mean, on, on a on a on a fundamental basis, I go out and I go and pick apples off a tree which uses up calories and makes so me tired storage, and I need storage to of your labor value yeah yeah and right. then i've now got my apples but they're going to go rotten in a week yeah. so i've got to do something with those so i go and sell them and in return people give me something which i can then store that energy in a different format which is money cash yep. whatever we call it and then when i need that energy back i can redeem it for food or heating or petrol for the car or to buy a new car or, or whatever that so a futures contract almost yeah kind of i don't i don't exactly okay, understand yeah. a, a futures contract but i guess yeah. so but it just just with like no real kind of expiry like you can use it whenever you want can i can buy something tomorrow or i can buy something in yeah. 10 years or 20 years or whatever um okay so so you reckon that Bank of England, Fed, ECB, etc., will always prop up the system. Yeah, pretty much. And What's, the dollar is the kind of you know the currency of reserve, right? It's the currency of choice for for everyone. Whether it's you know dodgy you know, dictatorships, drug dealers, criminals, or you know whatever you know you want to buy a property, you want to buy gold. Everything's quoted in dollars. Oil. Everything's quoted in US dollars, right? So, so if if we if we take that as a premise, then that there's there's always going to be that backstop, and that every so often, ten years, twenty years, fifteen years, two years, whatever, there'll be a bank that goes to the Fed or goes to the the um, the central bank in that jurisdiction and gets bailed out. Yeah. Where does where do they where does the central bank get that money from? They borrow it from. They borrow it themselves. They, you know, they're not from who, from the market. They issue a bond. For example, like let's say, like um, like during COVID times, right? It's um, we go to the government. The government will give you a bounce back loan. The government will basically bail people out, companies out, so forth, right? So, where's the UK government getting that money from? That's the question, right? So that and that's probably what you're saying. So they themselves go out to the international markets, issue a bond, issue gilt, what we call gilts in the UK, um, and. You've basically borrowed money. You've borrowed, a, you know, for fifty years. You've borrowed whatever ten billion. You've promised to pay one percent every year on that, on that bond. So they don't literally just go right. We're just going to print out, you know, blah, 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 here you go. Behind it, there is stuff happening. So, so those bonds, 
let's say uh, does Lloyd still exist? Yeah, yeah. Whatever they they say, okay, we're going to buy one of these bonds. So they buy a government bond that gives the yep. government the the liquidity it needs yep. to give to the other bank. Where does where does Lloyd's get the money from? Because they don't have. You know, it's, it's, it's a whatever it is, a £10 billion bond. Yeah, they they don't. don't have £10 billion sitting in their safe. No, but as we've, in, what, we've what, what you, what's your question? Already. Where do they get their money from? Where does Lloyd's get the money to buy so, the bond from the government? From you. You know, you being the account holder. Ultimately, you know, corporates, business, you know, all kinds of businesses. Yeah, but, you, they're, everyone, but they're, they're putting money into the system, right? Yeah, but they are, they are spending more than what I'm putting in. So, so let's say they've let's say they've got a thousand pounds in deposits. They're not saying we we can only do a thousand pounds of business. They're saying right, we can do ten thousand, hundred thousand, whatever. Because I only right. need to keep a percentage. Yeah, yeah there. Yeah. So where does that money come from? Well, they're borrowing as well. It's it's, it's from no, who? It's no different from you you or I going out and getting a mortgage. We we borrow and you know we have more you know we try and finance more assets than we're actually worth, right? Based on that trust that we are going to be able to finance that debt in the meantime. It doesn't matter whether you can pay off that debt as long as you keep paying the interest on it, you're fine. Yeah. So I th- so I think the 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 kind of the answer to my question then is it doesn't really matter where that money comes from as long as it sort of keeps moving around where around. it needs yeah. to move and the interest is paid. Yeah. So for example, if, if you look at the US government, right? They you know they famously the trillions in debt, the national debt is increasing all the time. Okay, so you've got to, you know, you've you've borrowed money and you know the government's borrowed money, they borrowed a billion or trillion or whatever the number might be and it's you know and they have to pay it back let's say tomorrow. All they do, they just go out and issue more bonds to replace those. It's so basically, your mortgage runs out, you go out and get another mortgage. Yeah, but but the so the sort of the U.S. government and the Fed are issuing bonds to 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 to, to get the funds they need to run the country and backstop right, yeah. banks or whatever. And the the that money they're borrowing from banks to backstop the banks. So it's like I'm literally I'm I'm taking something from my right hand, giving it to my left hand, and then giving it back to my right hand again. Yeah, yeah. Going, I, there you go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it is all kind of circular, but there's there's a lot of steps in between as well, which all kind of which, which is why you can't see it, but it I, is just a circle jerk, right? Uh, I, I I don't know, man. I mean, I, what, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I I, 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 I always ask this question, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you've got uh, maybe you've got an answer because because. So far, literally, I, I I can't come to a definitive answer. Right, the the U.S. national debt is like one point two quadrillion dollars mm. or some yeah. ridiculous number, and the UK's yeah, five hundred yeah. billion, etc. Same with the ECB. Like, who is that money owed to? Like, who does the who does the U.S. government owe one point something? quadrillion dollars to to whoever's whoever's holding u.s treasuries u.s government bonds but the, but it's not just the bonds and the treasuries right it's that's that accounts for 10 percent or 20 percent of what they owe 
Like when they say the national debt, it's not just the bonds and the treasuries. I don't it's, know. I'm not. I'm not sure of that. What you know? What's wider than that? I mean, there's probably a lot of other instruments, but the main ones, it's bonds. I mean, I'm a. You know, that's my background. Yeah. Bonds. And effectively, yeah, you're owing that to pension funds, to insurance companies, all the people who gather other banks, um, asset managers, you know, fund managers, those sort of other portfolios, family offices, central banks, other central banks, sovereign wealth funds. There's loads of people that, you know, buy bonds every day and you're basically owing it to them. Now, you may then, in turn, when I say you, you personally as a retail investor, you might put your money in the bank. Right, you might and in, in get your one percent or whatever in your bank account with XYZ Bank, and they themselves, that bank will then go out and buy bonds themselves. So they're getting paid. Let's say they're paying you one percent. They're buying bonds which give them two percent. They're making a little yield in the middle, right? They're making a little cut in the middle. So coming back to that question, you know, who do they owe it to? They ultimately they owe it to you or I, but all the other listed, you know, the people that I just listed. There's a lot of institutions that have money and are sitting on money, and it's their duty to obviously invest it, and that's what they do. They'll buy U.S. government bonds because that's the safest. Because it'll always you'll always get your money back. Yeah. So, so I, I, I mean, it is then a big circle, right? Might be a good circle. Why, Structurally why sound circle, but why is it, yeah? But I know. But what's so suspicious about a circle? Like my point is, it's an ecosystem, and it's an ecosystem that's part and parcel of almost like humanity right i mean yeah everything is linked to money or economics so why is it so 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 my question then would be if it's if it's a circle like as a geometric shape that's like a closed ring right it doesn't have a beginning or an end it's just it's a circle yeah so inflation is the process by which the amount we need to pay for goods goes up over time so I have like a, a bottle of water again. Yeah. It used to cost me 20p, then it cost me 50p, and now yeah. it cost me a pound. One day it will cost me two pounds. So if this is a closed circle that I'm giving, putting money in the bank and they're issuing bonds and other banks are buying them and then they're issuing bonds and other banks are buying them, the government's issuing bonds, everyone, then where does inflation come into the system? Because if that's a closed circle, then that money should just be going round and round and round. In order for there to be inflation, you have to inject new money into that circle. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, I know what you're. Yeah, I know. I, I know what you're getting at. So, so the uh, well, I, I guess my short question is: Why do prices of things go up? Because there's more people wanting it than there's enough supply ultimately that's what it comes down to ultimately everything comes down to demand and supply it does to a point but um that that is only um applicable to things that have a limited supply so say say we're talking about real estate like right, yeah, land yeah. or whatever there's only a certain amount of land that we know about yeah if you go beyond the ice wall then there's more, but we'll save that for another day. <laughs> another <point. laughs> Shout out to Chris. Um, but, but there's only a certain amount of land, right? So okay. if everybody wants a bit of land, it, yeah, technically but, it all gets used up, right? So if I want two bits, I'm going to have to offer somebody probably more than what they paid for it to get their bit because they're thinking, well, I'm not going to get a bit back. 
so I'm going to I'm going to charge a bit more for it. That's that makes sense to me as far as the supply and yeah. demand. But if we're talking about um, the the example that I had um, when I used to sort of talk about this was a bag of crisps. So when I was a kid, bag of crisps was five p, and then it was ten, and then it was twenty. Then I stopped really eating crisps or whatever, and now I get crisps sometimes on the lunch uh, meal deal. Um, they're a pound for a bag of crisps. That's right. Right. So it's in in I don't know forty years, a bag of crisps has gone from five p to a pound. So that's twenty x up in cost. It's twenty times more expensive in pennies yeah, than, yeah. It, than it was. Right? Is it harder to grow potatoes now than it was twenty uh, thirty years ago, forty years ago? No. I'll answer for you, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Is it harder to pack them in bags or chop them up in slices or cook them? No. It's actually probably easier because we've got better technology, better slicing machines, more efficient robots, yep, yep. etc. So the, the, the growing is just the same. The production and the transport and the marketing and everything is easier because you've got all this technology that you didn't used to have. And yet they're 20 times more than they used to be. Why? <laughs> okay. I mean, look, yeah, you can say that. Because then you're, what you're going to then say is you're going to say to me, okay, so why is the national debt not going down, right? Ultimately, that's what, you're gonna, what it comes well, down to. Well, um, yes, the, yeah, it should do, right? If it's right. being paid off. It's not being paid off. Yeah, but there's, there's more of it. Like you're, you're taking more on. So my understanding of it is thusly, that every time we spend on a card or take a loan, that money is created. Those pounds are created. They don't actually come off the balance sheet. They, they are, they're like a loan from the bank. And they go, right, we need, we're going to loan out today X amount. Because we have a banking charter, that allows us to do this fractional reserve lending, which means we magic that out of thin air and we allow those transactions to happen. And well, so it but, dilutes hold on, hold on, the... But why, why are they magicking it out? Like you, you, you go spend money on your credit card, right? Mm -hmm. In your example, you're saying it's magicked out. It's not magicked out. The bank has paid that money for you. Yes, but they haven't taken but, it out of their safe and given it to Ann Summers no, where, I, where I'm spending my money. By and large, in the end, ultimately, yes, that is exactly what will happen. Because don't forget, everything's digital, so you are going to have you know all these accounts, you know, little entries are going backwards and forwards all the time. Every time you run your card in a, in a card terminal, of course, money is moving about. I mean, if not if not instantly, at least at the end of the day, as a batch or something like that, whereby all the all, everyone's accounts are all effectively contrad and netted off and so forth, whereby then everyone has the right amount of money in their bank account. Unless they try to withdraw it, and then they find out they haven't got any money in their bank account. If everybody went to, yeah, but it's such a far-fetched scenario. That's why it works. It's the same as, for example, if you've got if you're running a um, a car rental company, and you've got two customers, one comes in the morning, one comes in the afternoon, and they only they only borrow the car for the afternoon or for the morning. If eventually you're going to say, well, why have I got two cars? I'm going to have one car, I'll lend it out in the morning. And it will come back by midday and then I'll lend out to Mr. Jones who takes away in the afternoon, right? That's what it is. It's the same thing. No, now, those, no, no, now, no, no it's different. It's no, different. because then you're going to say, you're going to say, oh, 
what if two people, you know, they both come at the same time? I was going to say that. Yeah. But actually, what I'm going to say is, no, the, the, the car belongs to the rental company. Right. The, okay. the money in the bank, although it doesn't, I hope you guys are starting to understand, should belong to me. It's in my account, but it doesn't. Who does it belong to then? The bank. Why? Because that's what it says on your bank account. When you deposit money in your account, yeah, we yeah. agree to give it back to you yeah, if we is, can. Yeah, Basically, in short, that's what it says. Yeah, but what you're doing here is it's like that, that machine at the back. I can see like 15 different dials. You're taking little bits out of every dial and then sort of coming to a conclusion and then saying, oh, the system's, you know, it, it, the system doesn't work correctly or the system's false or, or not real. But you've, you've taken little bits out of everything. You know, it's, it's, like, um, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And... Um, and, you know, it's a broken jigsaw puzzle. It'll make the picture, but you've taken it, you've rearranged it in different way, and then you've said, oh, see, there's nothing there. That isn't a picture of London Bridge on your jigsaw puzzle. That's um, just gobbledygook. But put it the right way around. Well, okay, well, let, let me... let me. So so maybe trying to, trying to understand it from, like, the, the individual little yeah, details yeah. and whatever is, is not the right way to go about it because... Yeah, unless you know fully... Yes, it's, and it's infinitely complicated yeah, and we blah, can't, blah, it's, yeah. it's not transparent and we can't see what actually happens. Okay, so so maybe I can ask you the question then like this. All fiat currencies in history have failed. They have a 100% failure rate, usually in less than 50, 60 years. Uh, the hey man, look, I'm no historian, but I can tell you one thing, right? It's... If a you know if a fiat currency fails, it's because your guy at the top, you know, King So and So, had his head lopped off in a battle. That country got taken over, or you know, they 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 lost the war, and that's why no one wants to lend money to them because the country's failed. So it's, it's coming back exactly to what I said earlier on that yeah, of course, yeah. Like if the Bank of England can't pay you, dude, we've got much more bigger problems than you know worrying about you know fifty quid out your Griffin savers. I'm more worried about what's happening to my house. Are people out my door trying to take over the place? Yeah, but but. Does does the head lopping come after the currency starts to fail, or before? Well, from the from his own people. Well, I mean, if everything's going great, you know, rally to the king. If the king's a tosser and someone right. comes with a lopper, you're like, you know what, lop him, bro. He's <laughs> been stealing all that shit. He's <laughs> been having parties up there in the castle. And I've got these mouldy potatoes down here to eat. I mean, the thing is, like, if it's if it's a system that that works pretty good and it's goes round and there's liquidity and everyone lends and it's all cool, then why do they always fail? And they always fail. But there is no example in history of us of a currency that we used to use that we still use. We've got the dollar, uh, the pound. The dollar is, I think, the longest running one, right. um, which is like a hundred and. Yep. 10 years or right? mm, might be out by yeah. this is this is by far the longest that a fiat currency has ever has ever run and and just you know really yeah coming to your head lopping scenario look at the fucking state of the US and the US economy and US foreign policy and around the world they're getting close to a metaphorical head lopping it may not be literally someone's head mm, getting cut yeah. off but they're getting close to the point at which other jurisdictions just start treading on them and saying, what are you going to do? Look, bro, I'm standing on your new trainers. What are you going to do? You ain't going to do nothing. 
I mean, that's that's effectively the head lopping, right? It doesn't actually have to be the Mongols so ride over the mountain on the horses. Okay, so, so what you're saying is basically we're coming to the end of days. No, we're coming to the end and of... And this particular cycle of fiat currency yeah. is about to go and therefore we need to find alternatives. I think so. Okay. I think so. And so what, what's your alternative? Obviously we know, but what's your alternative and why is it way better? Um, let me... Let me consult the MacBook <laughs> because I don't want to. I don't want to miss out um, any details. Um, so just to just to tidy up a bit on that failing of fiat currency, right at the moment, Argentina, Venezuela, uh, Beirut, Turkey, and historically the famous one. Uh, famous ones are Zimbabwe and the Weimar Republic where they had hyperinflation and yeah, it just yeah. all kind of uh, unwinds in a, in a big mess. Um, I think the question as to what is a suitable replacement is, I don't think there's a definitive answer to it. It's, it's actually a really difficult question because if you go back to um, the definitions that I had uh, earlier on, the qualities that uh, money should possess, durability, portability, divisibility, fungibility, rarity, acceptability. I think you can m make the argument that the money that you transact in does not have to be the same as the money you save in. So what you use for your savings does not necessarily need to be the same as what you use for your spending. Okay, so, yeah. so if the, the, the example I would use is if I gave you a one ounce silver coin, a 20 pound note and a USB stick with 20 pounds of Bitcoin on it. And I said to you, bro, can you go get some coffees for us? Which one would you spend? Yeah. I, You'd spend the 20 pound note. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Because I, I know, yeah. I know you I had know the green cake before you came. <laughs> no, but it's like it's kind of like. <laughs> but 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 just around yep. just to just to finish my, my my point, right? You'd spend the twenty pound note. No, but I was just going to say that's because that's what's accepted today. Like yeah. now, if I said right. to you, can you can we get coffee? Yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. spend the twenty pound note, yeah. right? If I said to you, you got to hold on to one of these to give to your um, mm. daughter when she gets married. Yeah, the store of value, you take the, the silver. You take the silver. And what about if I said you've got to hold on to one of these for your great-grandson, assuming you ever have one? What what would you choose? Yeah, whatever's going to be the big, you know, right? have the most durability. So that, so the today they've all, right. they're all roughly 20 quid's worth. 20 pound note, yep. an ounce of silver and a, and a bit of Bitcoin. But if you, if you sort of allocate different uses to them they they have actually different properties the 20 pounds is much better for buying stuff but the silver and the bitcoin are much better for storing over time and so this is the this is i think the distinction that's important to make is that you can have more than one currency money at one time i mean i, I think probably we would agree that it's not a bad idea to have three or four rare Rolexes. Yeah. Or I think, like you said, Birkin bags. 
classic 911s you know there's various things which yeah. over time they just get more and more valuable because we measure them in fiat currency they're not they're not actually more valuable they're just more valuable yeah. as i came, came coming back to what i was saying at the beginning when we measure them in the thing we measure them in because if you measure over time in gold or in silver or potentially in bitcoin you will find that the value of things doesn't actually change so the example that i give you is this through all of recorded history one ounce of gold has been sort of agreed upon that it will buy a fine suit of clothes for a gentleman and one ounce of silver will pay the average daily wage for for someone to go to work and that's you know it, it, it obviously it fluctuates because the fiat currency moves yeah, things yeah. around a bit yeah. but effectively you could be in ancient greece you could have been in rome you could have been in germany before world war one you could be in wherever and one ounce of gold will get you a fine suit of clothes and as it still will today i mean an ounce of gold today is about two thousand dollars something like that that's a that's a decent suit a shirt pair of shoes yeah. tie what it's 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 held its value right an ounce of silver silver is a whole nother story right because silver gets battered because mm. of the you know what it what it represents but an ounce of silver same thing it was a day's wages for a soldier in the roman army and the greek army that's basically what you got one ounce of silver for a day's work so you could say today that ounce of silver should probably be maybe yeah. like 75 quid rather than 25 quid but it is over time it holds its value and you can you can measure tangible stuff against it and it doesn't really move so what that starts to hopefully paint this picture is that the price of things going up is not because the price of things goes up it's because the value of our fiat currency goes down it takes more pounds dollars euros to buy my bag of crisps than it used to but if i want to buy a bag of crisps with silver a silver coin or whatever it will basically be the same right it, it basically won't have changed and so i think the way that i that i started to look at it is that so gold has always been like the backstop right the, the central bank of most countries has gold reserves now, gold in that sense is like, what do you do with it? It's completely useless. It's just gold bars. They're really heavy. You'd need somewhere very safe to keep them. It's expensive. It's got to be audited. And what do you do with it? Like, you right. can't yeah. eat it. You can't make food out of it. I mean, it's just, it just sits there, right? But all central banks and throughout history, all kings dictators whatever yeah why gold why gold yeah. scarcity 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 and well it, it it has all the it has all the properties right it has it has durability it's very I was inert. Thinking, what about portability like i guess it's all relative right it might not be portable for me you or me to walk yeah. around in our pocket but well but but actually even 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 on that basis if you if you think about it in that way and that, and this would lead us eventually into bitcoin right but yeah. even if you think about it in that way when you i don't know whether you've actually you probably have just held a 1 ounce gold coin mm. it's kind of small 
Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of small. It's kind of like the size of um like a bit bigger than an old 50p for you guys that are that are oldish. It's it's probably the size of uh, the, the 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 circumference of like a small shot glass and maybe 8 mil thick, yeah. 5 mil thick, something like that. And in today's value, that's worth about 16-1700 pounds. Give or take anywhere on earth. You'll get about 1700 pounds worth of value yeah. for that for that gold coin so you could carry 10 of those around and you're carrying around the best part of 20 grand so it's not super portable certainly not if you're talking about giant amounts of money but if you're talking about the amounts of money that most normal people that the layman might have throughout all of history it's very portable i mean you you should know right indians what do they do with all their money they buy gold jewelry so not just they buy gold jewelry um, because they want the gold, but you can actually wear it. Yeah, it's wear like it you've got out. to cut yep. my head off to get yep. the chain off. Like, and then I don't care, right? Once my head's come off, take the chain, right? It's not really that that much of an issue after that. So there's this kind of historical um, record of people wanting to own gold and own silver. And that's because they satisfy these definitions of actual money they're rare they're fungible they're divisible they're durable people want them they'll yeah. give you stuff for them and so you got to start measuring the stuff that you want and the stuff that you need your energy your where you live how you move around you got to start measuring it with a better ruler than fiat currency pounds dollars and euros and this is the trick that's been played on all of us from when we were little is that i, I mean i ask you the question like why do we have inflation and is inflation an inevitable um part of commerce and buying and selling stuff Right. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately everything does come down to demand and supply. That's fundamentally it. We can say what we want, we can go, you know, we can go through all the different sort of intermediate steps, but fundamentally when you get to the end, it's demand and supply. And as long as you have demand and supply and you have more demand than supply, things are going to cost more. Yeah, that, but that that's, o that that's only it. works if there is a limit on the supply. So it's demand and supply, right? It's not demand. It's demand and supply. So go back to my example with the crisps because it's an easy one. Where's the bottleneck on the supply? I mean, there's definitely more supermarkets with more crisps in them than when I was a kid. Yeah, but I suppose... There's a whole aisle in my Tesco's. Uh, it's, I don't know what they are, 25 metres long? Yeah, with all Just the crisps. monster munches. And, right, when I, was, when I yeah. was a kid, we went to the little Sainsbury's in Muswell Hill and there was like, you know... I don't know, four metres worth of, of crisps. You know, there was 10 different crisps, a few shelves. Now there's 300 different crisps and there's 50 yeah, but, shelves. Okay, so, what, so there's more crisps. Right, so you're saying, but why is the why is it still gone up? The, the supply is increased okay. massively. But remember what I said about 15 different dials and picking little bits out of everything. Then you've got to look at the other side, right, the, the, the supply side, like when you look at how, how the crisps are made. Now, the cost of 
a factory, uh, you know, like a line worker or whatever on the on the conveyor belt, those guys, their wages will have gone up. Um, the cost of potatoes will have gone up. Um, so it's all the components for the actual factory, you know, for the actual factory of, of Walker's Crystal. Energy production. Energy, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's going to make it go up. So right. That, but, that, go on, go on. But it's not more difficult to grow potatoes. And it's not more um, difficult to cut potatoes. From a, from a skill point of view? Yeah, surely. Okay, it's the same. You, you know, put the them in the ground, the yeah, they need and water grows. and sunshine and but, they grow. But with all, you know, let's say, for example, global warming, you know, temperatures mess, you know, going all going all weird and you're getting cold spells and hot spells and stuff, it's probably harder. So this, I mean... It ain't harder. Come yeah, on, I know, no, but, no, but my point there being that this is just one of the other dials. There's so many different things and that's why it's a... But what, what I'm getting at is that there's, there's on the one side, there's like the fundamentals of the crisps, right? You need to grow potatoes. Yeah. You need to get them out of the ground. You need to clean them, peel them and cut them up. You need to cook them and flavour them. You need to pack them, ship them, and you need your marketing budget. That's basically potatoes start off as little, what, what, what? Yeah. Are, they, are they seeds, potatoes? I don't even know. <laughs> Starts off as an embryo, potato embryo, and it gets to a bag of crisps like that, right? Put the embryo in the ground, water it, bit of sun, it grows, pull it up, clean it, peel it, cut it, cook it, slice it up, flavour it, in the shop and an advert on the TV. That is easier than it used to be because we have better technology. Yeah, we have better tires, we have yeah, better yeah. lorries, okay. we, right? It's yeah, yeah. easier than it was. So the the cost implication of it's more expensive to get people to pick the potatoes, it's more expensive to get people to cook them and pack them, the wages are up and this and that and that, is all artificial because it's measured in fiat. Yeah, but if you say we're, you know, we're measuring in fiat, and so what you're what you're saying is we shouldn't measure it in fiat. I'm we saying measure it in I'm saying that if you in Bitcoin or well, if you have a um, a long term perspective, so I think I think that the correct terminology is that you can have a low time preference and a high time preference. So if you have a low time preference, you're more concerned with what can I do now. Yeah. And if you have a high time yeah. preference, you're more concerned with what will I be able to do in the future if I'm sensible. So this is the thing like with kids, I think is around the age of two. Around the age of two, kids start to understand time preference. So under two, if you say to a kid, do you want this cake? Or if you wait 10 minutes, you can have two cakes. They just eat the cake. They're like, bro, 10 minutes is, I don't understand what 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes is. Oh, I'm eating the cake. But around about two years old, they start to um, develop like these logical thinking skills. They're like, yeah, huh, yeah. I can wait 10 minutes. If I wait 10 minutes, I get two cakes. And they start to understand this time preference. And the, the thing that's really important is to understand time preference is is sort of this delayed gratitude and this is this is something which I was actually going to come back to when we were talking about bitcoin but but it actually fits in nicely with this jiu jitsu is exactly the same right it's a it's a very high time preference you have to go and get smashed into the mat for 10 years plus to get to black belt you, if you want something that's just going to make you feel good today, this ain't it. You want to go right. and do no touch Tai Chi or 
whatever go to the massage parlor or whatever like that's it's that's the low time preference i want grat gratification yeah. now put my money down i want something that makes me feel good today jiu-jitsu will make you feel shit for three years and then horrible for five years and then you know it's a it's a long time preference and then you get these jiu-jitsu skills and you look back and you say wow like that was i had to be patient and i had to just wait and i had to just keep yeah. repeating the process and right. and this is this is what i think we fail to understand when we're thinking about money is that we don't we don't understand that there's a better way to deal with that time preference which is to store your longer term money in a different format from fiat currency yeah but then the question is or the question i ask myself i'm a believer in bitcoin but why don't I put everything? Why don't I convert all my assets into Bitcoin? Where does where is Bitcoin failing in all these tests of you know tests of money, the ideal ideal type of money? Where is Bitcoin failing? Um, and, and I'll and I'll, I could probably answer that as well. In my opinion, for me, valuation. What's the value of a Bitcoin? One minute it's up, next minute it's down. One minute it's up three hundred. You know, it's it's not got a set value, and that's why you know you had the famous pizza day, and you know people bought two pizzas for ten thousand bitcoins or whatever, however much it was. And it was it was ten thousand, right? It okay. was. And but yeah, now you look back, oh, ten thousand bitcoins. Jeez, I mean, what were you thinking? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the cost. I've got it. It's crazy. It's something some billion, six screen. billion or something. I'll tell you. So just to fill in around the edges of of what uh, Smith just said. The first ever Bitcoin transaction where it actually had a real world value was um, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin pizza. So there was a coder called Laszlo Hanyak and he paid another developer uh, 10,000 Bitcoin to order him two Papa John's pizzas and get them delivered. What year was it? 2009? Uh, that would have been probably 2009. And that and that was ten thousand. That valued ten thousand Bitcoin at thirty dollars because mm. two Papa John's pizzas. So that was everything before that was computer science theory. Can I send them? Do you receive them? What happens if we do this with the wallet or whatever? They had no they had no real world value attached to them. Yeah. It was just an experiment, and that was the first thing that that valued um, the pizzas. And interestingly, what you were saying about the volatility, right? So I I went through and I rewrote these notes about three days ago when I sent them to you. Yeah. So 10,000 Bitcoin was $30. That was the first transaction, right? When I rewrote this, I said, today the Bitcoin pizzas are worth approximately $270 million. But they're not because the price now just went up so yeah. much that they are now worth $345 million dollars. For two pizzas. Really, I thought it was something, something crazy. I thought it'd be like billions. But, that's the that's the yeah. that's the volatility that's in there. So, um, so you were saying that the that the reason why you wouldn't go all in effectively is is because of the valuation. Yeah, like the volatility, volatility. In, in, in the values. But at the same time, then you look at it and you go, has it got? What was the other one? Uh, was it acceptability? Where can you? Actually, yes, yeah. not 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 great, right? Yeah, it's that's not my great. that's my fear. So, so my my uh, advice, and uh, not financial advice, not life advice, not any kind of advice. Don't listen to me. That's why I wore <laughs> a cowboy hat today, so you can understand. I'm a 
cowboy, right? Don't take any. <laughs> I, I'm the Indian. Don't yeah, cowboys and Indians. Don't take any any advice from me at all. But my advice always is risk management. So it's like again, maybe if you have like a jujitsu analogy, you might be really brilliant at playing close guard. But you should understand open guard, you should understand how to play on top, you should understand whatever, because you might not be able to get to closed guard. So you need other things that mitigate different scenarios. So even if you have a lot of conviction about something, it's better not to be all in on it. Because there are, you know, like they say, there's the known knowns, the unknown knowns, yeah, the unknown know, unknowns. I'm not, I'm not saying literally every penny I have put it all into Bitcoin. I'm saying, why don't I put more into it? And my biggest fear, or well, apart from the whole value, you know, value thing, because at least I feel ultimately it's going to always keep going up to a certain amount till it reaches its fair value. But the biggest fear I have is the acceptance or acceptability, whereby what if it just becomes worth nothing because nobody wants to trade it because governments around the world suddenly just say, you know what, we're going to just declare it illegal. Any any transactions in this are illegal. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what comes back to what I'm saying about this risk model. There's like these known unknowns and unknown un, you know known knowns unknown knowns. Yeah, yeah. That, this thing. No, but, I'm, but, I'm, but, but, what but I'm, that's a possibility. Yeah, that is. I, I a, think that it's is, a big possibility. If you if you have a million trillion possible outcomes, that is one of them. That you can hold it, but you can't actually do anything with it. So that's why you don't put more in there. You, you spread your risk. So I'm not, I'm not saying by any means that anyone, and certainly I wouldn't, takes all of their sort of available money in inverted commas and goes and buys Bitcoin or goes and buys gold or goes and buys silver or goes and buys anything yeah. because it might go wrong. Just because it has worked and just because it should work and just because it looks like it's going to work, it doesn't mean it will work. So no different from fiat currencies then? No, it's different. Because even they seem to work for a short while and then it's, they didn't. Well, so yeah, so the, the, the difference is, so the, the, the difference is now you start to get into kind of the little bit more esoteric. Mm. So the, the, the difference, if you, if you look at effectively hard money, hard money you, you define as it has like a very limited supply and it's difficult to get more of it. The issuance is is problematic. So you can't just go and dig up loads more gold. I mean, it's hard to get, right? So if you're if you're talking about hard money, um, you are talking about what oh, what was your question? I'm going around in circles now. <laughs> I'm saying about acceptability. Yes, acceptability. <laughs> so so if you're talking about hard money, you're you're talking about something which you want to store your energy in not necessarily transacting mm -hmm. so i i would say you want to have an a, a certain amount of liquidity in the thing that's easy to transact so pounds in your bank account so let's say your your outgoings every month is two thousand pounds it's probably sensible if it's available to you to have six thousand pounds in your bank and you know that Two and a half thousand is coming in every month and there's a little bit of leeway, whatever. So you keep two or three months worth of liquidity there. And what if you suddenly have to have a knee operation because you knacker it at jiu-jitsu and you have to pay a hundred thousand for a new knee? Then what do you do then? Then you would go to your savings vehicle. And you've only got ten thousand savings. Then what will you do? Then you'll go to the bank and borrow money. 
Oh yes, if this you is, if you need so, to, yeah, if you need to get something which is which is so it, which comes back your, to you know our beginning that what happens you know when you when you look at the whole chain it is a kind of circle, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. I'm not saying there's anything oh, okay. wrong with it at all. I'm saying that it what it what it um, creates is a system of losing value over time. I mean, I could have probably just said that in the 30 <laughs> seconds, right? But I'm trying to, you know, yeah. spin it out a bit, right? It's a podcast. So we're getting paid by the minute here. <laughs> yeah. So, but so the so the 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 problem is is that if you so so I mean, just just look at it on our on our sort of normal day to day basis, right? How percentage terms roughly? How much has your electric and heat energy at home bill gone up over the last sort of eighteen months? Oh, massive! You're right. It's gone. Might up. be double. Double, yeah. What about food? That's probably gone up way more, way maybe, more than maybe, double. Like maybe triple. Yeah, it's gone crazy, right? Cloves. Yeah, everything's gone up. It's um, everything's gone up like massively, except for the stuff that's in the RPI basket of the government right. statistics. <laughs> that's the only stuff that's stayed around. So, that, so that's 10%. another thing actually that we should actually address that because it's is is another trick they play on you. So the RPI is the something price index yeah retail price retail yeah. price yeah. index so it's a basket of goods and then they say how much is this literally how much is this basket of goods it yeah. costs x amount if it costs a little bit more next year they say oh the rpi is six percent right because the stuff in the basket has gone up yeah which which incidentally a lot of it you know i mean they do change it around they shuffle it around and they update the stuff but you know it'll have all these kind of old things like you know a a, a one one block of margarine which no one might eat anymore or whatever they do update it but if you look at the stuff it's kind of like i haven't bought a lot of that in a long time <laughs> but they do sneaky things as well so they do things like a flat screen television because they basically get cheaper for a just as good telly so like now you can get like a fucking good telly for 500 quid yeah, yeah. 55 inch 4k yeah, hd yeah. this that 500 pound it's easy just Walk into any supermarket, well, the PC world, whatever. They're all over the place. So that's in your RPI, in your in your basket. Yeah. So they're like, well, look, you can get a fifty-five inch telly that used to cost you ten grand. Now it's only five hundred quid. Yeah. Therefore, the fact that chicken that you actually need to eat to stay alive <laughs> has gone up six times in price is offset by flat screen TV. So they play all these tricks on you. The same like they they change. They'll do like. Uh, like a steak, right? It used to be a fillet. Now it's a no, it's rump. Some, yeah. And then, then it becomes like a chuck or whatever. And they're like, yeah. still six pounds, bro. It's like, yeah, but the fillet is fucking 30 pounds. The chuck, which is inedible, the dog won't eat it, is now six pounds, right? <laughs> so they, they so just, just be aware of that. They trick you on the RPI. They're the sneaky bastards. They, it's always the same. But But what I'm saying is, that you've to just to just to really keep hammering on this point you want to be saving in something that's not going down in value so whether you determine for yourself that that is um gold or silver or bitcoin mm. or you want to buy a rolex every time you've got x amount of money that you can allocate to it or whatever or property i mean something that has tangible value that is a better um, philosophy for savings over time than doing it in pounds because like a good example would be this 
when I was, we're a similar age, when I was a kid, if someone was a millionaire, they were... Yeah, it was a big deal, right? Minted. Yeah. <laughs> Driving around in a Rolls Royce, like fur coats, opera, boxing, front row, big house. Millionaire was like, they would be like in the newspaper, you know, page seven of the sun, you know, this guy's worth five million yeah. pounds from selling whatever. It's a big deal. Now, if you live in London and you own your house, yeah. you're worth more than a million. Yeah, you're a millionaire already. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's just if you live, in, and not just London, right? Any Any big metropolitan city... There's probably 300 of them where if you've got a house there, you're worth more than a million. Mm. So millionaire has become like a nothing burger because the the value of the fiat currency goes down the toilet. Now, if you'd have stored your value as a house, so you bought the house in London, which used to be 150 grand, now it's worth 1.5 million. Happy days. Why? Bricks are bricks. Roof tiles are roof tiles. Central heating is central heating. People need somewhere to live. They need somewhere, they need windows to look out of. If you'd have took your 150 grand and kept it in the bank, even with the interest, you probably would be sitting on 400 or 500,000. So you would have done like 30% of what you've done in your mm, house yep. by holding on to that cash. <clears throat> So what, what would be, like, you know, if you could go back and talk to your your young self, would your advice be every penny you've got, put it in the <laughs> bank, or would it be every penny you've got, put it into property or put it into yeah. Bitcoin or put it in, in that, right? Because it's done better. So we can look back and say we've got really good data to say over time storing your your energy, your wealth, whatever, as fiat government backed by the full trust and faith in the government paper is the most retarded, ridiculous, stupid, guaranteed to lose value thing you could do. And buying real stuff in inverted commas is the smartest thing you could do. I mean, yeah, but, you would say but, that, yeah, right? But so, so where do you invest all your savings apart from crypto? Where do you invest in? I don't. I don't have a lot of savings. But if you do, you've probably got an ISA. I don't have an ISA. Have you ever had one? I have. Right. And what did you invest it in? It wasn't a cash one, was it? It was yeah, stocks, and, stocks shares. and shares. Right. Didn't so, didn't really make any money. I didn't understand what I was investing in because right. we used to talk to a financial advisor and he used to say, yeah. "You want a perpetual <laughs> mid-tier." fucking ass paper and you want you know yeah, yeah, government like, rate yeah. bonds with the other bit right. so i didn't i didn't and then i okay. see him no, after my, like 12 but, months and no, he'd but, say to me oh this one went down this one went up yeah but my point is only only that effectively it still goes into assets that go up no one actually keeps their money in fiat no one says right you know i mean but i mean maybe people do i don't know i, I think but, I, I think maybe now less but i think i mean most most uh, like working kind of middle class people did. They kept a savings account. Yeah. They had a current account and a savings account. You know, you, you have to have a certain amount of free, you know, available money to start saying, oh, I want an yeah, ice cream, I want yeah. a pep, I want this, I want that. A lot of people are like, they've got a month and a half and they've got a little bit here for yeah, when their kid yeah. goes to university or whatever, but they're not like... I need to speak to my IFA and see whether I should diversify my portfolio. It's just, 
I'm, I'm not even necessarily sort of saying like the specifics of what you should do. I'm saying cash is trash. If you take only one thing away from this podcast, if you're even still listening, cash is trash. You yeah. should you should store in something else, not financial advice, <laughs> <laughs> and spend cash. Right. You should save in some something that accrues value or at least maintains value, and you should spend in something that loses value. I mean, literally... This is what inflation is. So the, the way to think of inflation, if you're still sort of having difficulty conceptualizing it, is that inflation is like um, you, your money being ice cubes. The longer you hold on to the ice cubes, the less ice you have. Right, but but still, don't most what what I'm you know what kind of makes me not I won't say question Bitcoin or question. Even cryptocurrency. We haven't even gone to Bitcoin yet, bro. Yeah, no, but no, but like when we talk about crypto in you know in general, right? It's it's kind of like we've we've already got a system. Like there already is a system out there, and obviously we're always trying to find a better system. But we have a system whereby it's inflation. It's kind of inflation proof, kind of. No expert, and it's no financial advice. No, it's, in, it's inflationary. No, it's baked no, in. You put, no, but what I'm saying is you're putting your money into let's say stocks and shares. Right, so you're putting into stocks and shares ISA, but that's already that's I'm saying, saying that's already one layer away from cash. You're you're selling your cash and you're buying shares in a company, right? So, so I'm I'm not saying necessarily that's a bad thing. Oh, okay. I'm saying yeah, yeah. if you just leave cash sitting there, you put it under your bed, you dig up yeah, a hole in your garden, and you say, "Yeah, it's no the worst, one's getting my cash." It's the worst thing, of course. It's the worst yeah. thing. Yeah, putting yeah. your money under the mattress. Yeah, of course. It's, right. it's just losing value all the time. But if <clears> if you had theoretically of when I was a kid, when I was a kid. Uh, 1972 I was born gold was $20 an ounce yeah and it's now roughly at 2000 so if I'd have just everything I'd have had been putting it into gold I kind of could have buried that in the garden it's done it's done a uh, hundred times in value since then so it's basically kept pace with yeah, everything yeah, yeah. I could still have bought the same stuff with it so it'd have been pretty good if I'd have done that with cash I would have like Basically nothing. So let's 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 kind of park that slightly and let's actually talk about Bitcoin. Because I think Bitcoin is it's it's A very misunderstood <clears throat> and it's B very difficult to understand. Like actually as a concept of what it is. It's. It took me a few goes at it. It takes most people a few goes at it. It's one of those things you think you get it, and then you wake up and you think, oh, it's "Bullshit! It's all made <laughs> up." And it kind of you kind of go around in circles, and you go around in circles. But if we come back to um, the the qualities of money, I mean, do, do, can we agree on those qualities for money? Do you think yeah, that that yeah. pretty yeah, much yeah, that yeah. supports what money yeah. should be? So traditionally. It's been gold and silver because it, it, it does all those things. It's hard to right, get, yeah. it's rare, it's fungible, blah, blah, blah. But the, the problem with it is that it is old technology. And the best analogy that I, that I heard um, for this is ships. So the, um, 
the the world power over the last two thousand years has been the the empire with the best ships. Mm. So they could basically go and fuck everyone else up, right? They could put more stuff on their boats so they could go further and they could carry more weapons and more food and more soldiers and then they can fuck more people up. So sea power was like literally, that's what determined the Greeks and the Persians and the Romans and the whoever. And then right through to the, the Dutch... East India Shipping yeah. Company and the British Navy and whatever. So like sea power was kind of the thing that determined who was the, the top dog yeah. for thousand plus years. And pretty much through that time, it was wooden ships. So from whatever, thousand BC up until the 1900s or the 1850s. Yeah, yeah. It's just who made the best wooden ships. Whoever made the best wooden ships, yeah, that's the, the boss. Yeah. And then someone made steel and they were like, let's try making a ship out of this. And then within, I don't know, a few years, wooden ships was like something you buy <laughs> like your uncle for a present for his birthday, right? A model of a wooden ship. Do you remember Uncle when you used to sail on one of these? <laughs> and it just became completely redundant. And all the way through that kind of <clears throat> thousand, two thousand, three thousand years of, of time, that was the dominant superpower technology yeah, that ruled yeah. the world. And then suddenly it was surpassed by something better. And this is kind of the question about Bitcoin. Oh, it's new and it's this and it's that and this is whatever, whatever. Just as a, as a comparison, what do you think the likelihood is of the world going back to wooden ships? Yeah. It's Zero. pretty low, right? Yeah. It comes back to the head yeah. chopping, yeah. right? We, everyone gets nuked. Yeah. There's nothing left. Then People are like, might, yeah. wood ships are easier to make. Let's make them again. But failing Mad Max world, we're not going back to wooden ships. Right. And so this is the sort of shift in thinking that, is required to start to understand Bitcoin specifically. So just to, just to make the point, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. There are thousands, probably maybe even tens of thousands of cryptocurrencies. The same as gold is a metal and there are hundreds or thousands of metals and alloys and ores or whatever. Yeah. But only gold is gold. So gold is a metal, but gold is gold. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, but Bitcoin is Bitcoin. So don't confuse it with everything else. Everything else has different use cases, different histories, different reasons for existing. Bitcoin, if you're talking about that, you're talking about only that. So we had wooden ships and then we went to steel ships. And then actually pretty quickly, we went from sea power to air power. Air power became dominant, right? Whoever's got the best air yeah. force goes and fucks up people's ships up. We don't even care so much about the ships anymore. So, so quickly that the technology changed and we're not going back to wooden boats. So the question then with Bitcoin is, is that digital, is it, well, the first question is, is it a digital version of gold? It possesses all the same qualities. It's, it, cr the creation of Bitcoin is even called Bitcoin mining. And that's purposely because it's to, 
is to draw the analogy to mining gold out of the ground. Mining right, Bitcoin yeah. is, is the same kind of thing. So so let me really super quickly run just through the, the nuts and bolts of it in a, in a really brief fashion. So Bitcoin is a blockchain. What that means is every 10 minutes or so, a block is opened. So you can think of a block like an empty box. And into that empty box, all of the transactions that anybody wants to do, we place them in that box. So I want to send Smith 20 pounds so he can get coffees. So I put I put my little transaction sticker in that box saying send Smith 20 pounds. And someone else is buying a, a whole condo block in Dubai and someone else is buying a car and someone else is doing whatever they're doing. So we all put our little transactions in this box. And after 10 minutes, the box closes. No more transactions can be put in the box. So imagine the box is closed, it's taped up, you can't do anything else. And then on top of that box, the next box is placed, open box. And the next set of transactions go in there and after 10 minutes, it gets closed. But each of these boxes is balancing on all of the boxes that are underneath. So if you went back into oh, the box that's like four down from the top because I want to change the transaction I put in there, you can't. You can't change it because it would upset the whole stack of boxes. Everybody would see and then they will say, oh, I can see that the transaction is being changed. We just ignore it. But what if there was a dodgy box in, in you know, one of those? There is some sort of verification, right? So but who? how does that, how so, does that sort yeah, of work? So exactly. So, so what happens is the the these these blocks which are these boxes they are it's just run on computer code so it's a self-running system there's no human intervention to say oh we need to get the next box or we need to have a meeting at nine o'clock this morning to see how many boxes we're going to put today it's all coded in so it just automatically goes give or take a few seconds it's not 10 minutes flat because it adjusts itself which is the difficulty adjustment, which comes onto the mining. But roughly every 10 minutes, new box, all the transactions go in, seal the box, put another box on top. This is a block chain. So a stack of boxes. That's literally what it is. But then in order to validate those transactions, you have a process called Bitcoin mining. So these are ASIC, application-specific computers. So they're, they're chips that are designed specifically for Bitcoin mining. It used to be done on graphics cards right at the beginning because they were good at doing these calculations, but very quickly they weren't fast enough. So now we build these sort of specific um, computers to, to do these calculations. And what these computers basically are doing is trying to solve a really, really complex mathematical problem. So... It's, this is the only part of the whole thing which is which is hilarious and is, is not appropriately named. You know what I'm going to say? <laughs> oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> the, so effectively, the, what they're trying to do is solve this difficult um, mathematical complication and find this number, which is a decimal point, which is point zero 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 with loads of zeros and then a number they're trying to solve this that number is called the nonce so effectively the bitcoin miners every 10 minutes are trying to find the nonce <laughs> that's the only thing that's inappropriately named so they're, they're trying to they're trying to solve this mathematical problem find this number 
The first one that finds the number feeds it back to the software, to the system, and says, I think I found the correct number. And the system says, yep, that's the correct number. And it gives a certain amount of Bitcoin to that miner who found the number. Every 10 minutes, this is what happens. So there's an incentive for the miners to outcompete the other miners. So if you have faster computers, you're more likely to find that nonce and how, get the block reward. How many how many transactions are there per per block? Uh, I think with Bitcoin, like is, is it like on the main or? chain? No, on the main chain, it's it's li- still limited at the moment to something like six per second. It's a really small yeah. number, okay. and that's why you get congestion when it gets yeah, busy. Yeah. And there's, we, I mean, we can talk about this, but it's a little bit outside mm. of the scope of the conversation. There's layer twos, there's Lightning yeah, Network. Yeah. There's people build stuff on top of it, um, but fundamentally, on the on the chain. It's, it's, I think it's six transactions every second. So in a 10-minute block, yeah, however yeah. many that is. That's why sometimes your transaction takes 20 minutes to clear if, if it's very busy. But effectively, that's what Bitcoin mining is. These guys are running these computers and they're trying to, they're trying to um, it's called hashing. They're trying to hash these problems over and over and over to get the right answer, to feed back to the system, to get the reward. And just to... Um, and, and that's why they say the hash rate's gone up because it's getting more and more difficult. Right. So to just to, yeah, yeah, just to sort of explain a little bit on that hash rate. So the, the hash rate is the number of calculations per second. So this is the same way you... you Done you, by who? Everybody. Across the network, yeah. across the whole network. So this is the same way you measure like CPUs, GPUs, you know, they release, Apple release a new computer, it can do this many calculations per second. That's the hash rate. So the hash rate of the Bitcoin network, I checked it just before we came, at the moment is, it, it, again, it fluctuates a bit, is 415, so 415 exahash, which is 415 quintillion calculations per second. That's 415 with 30 zeros on the end per second across the network. Um, and just to, just to try to because we have humans have difficulty with big numbers. Just to try to see what that number looks like. Um, so it's four hundred and fifteen quintillion calculations per second, right? One quintillion seconds is thirty-one billion years. So it's a big number. Wow. Yeah. So this is the amount of computing power. That's the way to think about it. That secures the Bitcoin network. It's the biggest computer network on Earth. I think I'm right in saying it's bigger than the next 50 supercomputers put together. So the Bitcoin mining system outcomputes the next 50 biggest supercomputers on the but, planet but, when they're but to aggregated. To be clear, that's only because it's a whole network of computers yes, exactly. decentralized across the internet. Which, is, which yeah. is what's really important about it. There's no central point of failure. So there's people running Bitcoin mining farms everywhere all over the planet. There's people running them in Africa, there's people running them in India, there's people running them in China, there's people running them underground, there's people running them at the top of mountains, there's people running them everywhere. So you get this distributed security aspect where if a tidal wave comes over the US, it knocks out Amazon Web Services, right? It knocks Mm. out Facebook, it knocks out all these places that are all their data centers are there. Bitcoin, the, the, what would happen to Bitcoin is the hash rate 
will go down because those miners will go offline. But the system will just continue the without them, will just, just around The system will just reroute itself. Yeah. And the hash rate goes down, but the number of computers trying to solve the problem also goes down. So it will still solve in about 10 minutes. Right. The time will wobble for a couple of hours because it's, well, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. And then it will just come back and okay. rebalance itself. So it's, it's, it's like a sort of a self-healing organism. This is sort of one of the things that where you start to see like how powerful it is. No one controls it. There's no one that you, there's no office that you can call, I want to bring me the CEO of Bitcoin. We're having a problem here. There is no one. It's just software. Software in that sense is protected under free speech laws in many countries. Software is con considered speech and speech is protected under law in a lot of places. So the software is protected even under law. Things can change. I'm not saying they can't. We come back to your potential scenario. The government's tried to ban it, etc. But just to come back to kind of the nuts and bolts of how it's working, you've got your blockchain, your transactions are going in there. Everyone is built on top of every other one, so you can't go back and alter previous ones because the whole network can see that the chain is yeah. changed and they just ignore that chain and go with the, the consensus chain. You've got all these miners trying to solve this, this, these problems and, and compete to get the block reward. Now, the block reward, this is, the, this is where really the magic of the whole system is. There's, there's um, an emissions schedule. So this is the amount of new Bitcoin that's generated every 10 minutes. And that amount of Bitcoin is cut in half roughly every four years. It's, it's every certain amount of blocks. I can't remember the number. Usually it's about four years, but it depends how fast the blocks are solved. So if they're yeah. solved a little bit quicker, it might be three yeah. years and 11 months, whatever. So when it first started, I think I'm right in saying this, it was 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes was emitted Yep. And then every four years, it's cut in half. And now we're down to 3.125 every, I think we're on three at the moment. Every, uh, no, at the, at the moment, we're on um, six and a quarter. Right. 6.25 every 10 minutes, new Bitcoins are created and goes to the miner that solves the problem. Yep. And they put and so, that into the ecosystem because they need to yeah. pay for their energy and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so what you're saying is, so now these blocks are going to continue being built and eventually you're going to get to that next block, which is when you said, I guess that's when the, the, the rewards are going to become less. Yeah, right? so, the, so the next halving is in approximately March? 185 days from now. When is that? So yeah, it ain't long. Three months. Three? Yeah, about March. Right? Yeah, Feb, March. Yeah. Four, f no, six, about six months. Three months, 90 days, right? Yeah. Yeah, six, six months, months, roughly six months, oh, 185 six months. days. So so the amount of Bitcoin that's produced every 10 minutes is going to get cut in half. It's six and a quarter at the moment. It's going to go down to 3.125. And then four years after that, it goes down to 1.56, et cetera. Right. It's always cut. <clears throat> so this then comes back to what you were saying about supply and demand. So suddenly you've got a situation where the demand for Bitcoin, it won't, but theoretically it could stay exactly as yeah. it is. The same amount of people that want to buy it still yeah. want to buy it and sell it, still want to sell it, but the supply is cut in half. So if you just took that... The reward that, is cut in half. Yeah, the reward. Not the supply. It's the supply of new coins. 
Okay, so well, the supply, but the supply, no, the itself increase is in supply. The same. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. The supply, yeah, the, the is rate the of increase is the rate halved. of increase is yeah. halved. Okay. But if you look at that equilibrium, right? What you said, supply and demand. That's what determines price, broadly speaking. So you've got the same demand, and you've got half the supply, because the pool that's sitting there is is still the pool. The new coins that are coming in are being bought by new demand yep. for the price to stay stable. So six and a quarter Bitcoins are made, six and a quarter Bitcoins are bought, the price stays where it is. If someone wants 12, the price will go up. If yep. no one wants any, the price goes down. But when that new coin supply cuts in half, the price should double. The supply coming mm, in is yep. halved, the price should, should double. But you know as well as I do <laughs> that... When the, the the price starts to double, people go, Jump in. I need to buy some. So now maybe you get twice the supply, uh, twice the demand, demand. rather. Yep. So now you're going to get four times the price. But what do you do if you see four times the price? <laughs> yeah. Buy more. Get on that bandwagon. Now you've, yeah. got, now you've got 10 times the demand. And it has kind of interesting when you look back at the cycles, at every halving. It's like it's, clockwork. Yeah. It's like clockwork. It's just we, if we're not paying attention, because it's four years, we just lose interest. Mm. You see the froth, everyone's going mad for Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, do you remember Bitcoin when it went mad? Whatever. Hasn't it died? Yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't even look at it anymore. What happened to your wallet? Oh, I can't even find it. That's that's what happens over those other four years. And then you kind of don't start looking at it again until the TV says, yeah. <laughs> today Bitcoin made the new high, $100,000. And you're like, what? Hang on, let me go and check. What? It's gone up so much. And back in you jump. Hopefully early enough to, to catch the, the wave, but usually you're you're going in high and you're coming out low because you're you're not paying attention. So you got this, you got this difficulty uh, uh, adjustment and this halving cycle. So the, the difficulty adjustment is where the how hard it is to solve that problem also auto-regulates according to how fast the previous block was solved so if the block takes 20 minutes to solve the network goes hey this is like really difficult we need to make it a little bit easier so it, it regulates its timing and it's reducing its supply over time so you've got this system that 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 um has all these properties that we're talking about of of like sound money but also has this very very hard um creation of of new coins is coded in it can't be changed and where you start to to then make these comparisons with gold is to say this uh, the the value of of the whole bitcoin network at today's price is about 700 billion and gold's about uh, 12 trillion so if if i took a trillion dollars and put it into the gold industry what would that do to the gold price? Yeah, obviously it's going to go up. No, we'll reduce Why? it. Because I'm going to start... What did you say? If, you I, if, I, if I invested a trillion dollars in, in, into gold mining and minting and refining and everything, I'd oh, be able sorry. to get more gold, right? Yeah, so the supply is going to go up. Yeah, so the, the supply going, goes up, yeah, so the price would yeah. probably go down, which is a whole other problem yeah. with owning gold miners because their incentive is for the, yeah. not for the price, right? But if I took a trillion dollars and put it into Bitcoin mining, question one, can I affect how much Bitcoin is produced? You can. You can't. Why? Because, Why can't you? Because 
It's a new like block every 10 minutes. It's, it self-adjusts its difficulty. No, but are you talking you personally? Like, say, for example, like, you know, whatever, Jason Incorporated suddenly bought the latest mining computer. I go and buy, I go and, I mean, they'd have to yeah, make so, them, so but I go and personally, do a trillion dollars worth of Bitcoin miners. Can I get more Bitcoin to be produced? In its entirety, no, but for you even, personally? Even, no, yeah. forget for me. I'm talking about, oh, like, the ecosystem. Itself, the, the whole, no, yeah. no. You can't, Pacific, right? Yeah. Because it's... Yes, yeah, so six zero and a quarter or yeah, three point yeah. one every ten yeah. minutes doesn't change. But what does a trillion dollars of investment into mining do to the hash rate and therefore the security of the network? It makes it three times stronger. Better. So the mining infrastructure that gets built out in Bitcoin doesn't improve supply; it just improves security. Whereas if you put it into something like gold, you're going to start getting more gold out of the ground. It's worth less. It's not a great investment. So this is where you start to look at the actual maths and the, the digitalization of things. And the argument that people will come with often is like, yeah, but it's not a real thing. It's just like numbers in a computer, right? But if you look over the last 20 years at the most successful businesses they are broadly speaking the ones that digitalized yeah all intangible tangible stuff yeah. right apple was basically made their money selling music selling digital music just yeah. ones and zeros right that yeah. was that was what they were selling you just just data facebook data um twitter data Amazon is obviously a little bit difficult because they're shipping, but the, the reason why they did so well is because they, they automated and globalized and webized and digitalized mm, all the it. back end of it, right? Most so it yeah. all kind of runs on, on its own. So, so sort of taking like tangible stuff and saying, oh, you know, Bitcoin's not worth anything because it's not real. It's just computer code. Man, go and find the top 50 companies in the world. Apart yeah, from I, oil, I, they're I all computer people, yeah, code. I think most people are quite sort of, I think, comfortable with that, the intangibility aspects of it. I'm surprised people say that because usually the retort to that is always, well, it's just another currency. You know, your, your own bank account is numbers as well. So I'm always surprised when people bring that up and it's always kind of like almost a sort of character assassination of Bitcoin. You know, like just let me find every excuse. And it's like, hold on, that applies to money. That applies to this, that applies to that. You know, the usual like um, cryptocurrencies help money laundering and, you know, drug dealers. It's like, well... Actually, no. U US Cash dollar is the, is the number one, right? Exactly. For drugs, terrorism, weapons trafficking, the US dollar is the king. No, there's, there's no more evil has been done on earth than with paper <laughs> dollars, right? I mean, that's that's a fact. And in fact, I don't know whether this is true, but I I heard that in the 2008, in the on the financial collapse, that they the CIA. US government had to go to the cartels in Mexico and say, you need to put money into your accounts. They <laughs> needed liquidity from the cartels. That's that's how how shaky everything got. I mean, that just shows you like this. this I don't know about that. I, I don't know whether it's true, yeah, but I, know, I mean, but, yeah. you know, the, the, if you Amazing think though. about it though, really going back to sort of dollars and fiat and all that kind of stuff, I mean, really it's kind of, Black market money is is actually what makes the world go around. It's the drug trade, it's the arms trade, it's it's the war. That's kind of where the real big money is is spent and and created. 
Is it really? I, I think that's all a little bit um, overly dramatic, uh, dramatized. You know, it's kind of like I think the real stuff is like the real dodgy stuff is all kind of you know legitimately kind of incorporated into offshore entities. Maybe like the the, the real hypothecation of. I don't know even I don't even know what that word means, mate. But um, selling but no. stuff and but selling yeah. it again, and you know, yeah, I mean, just, I mean classic laundry. But yeah, no, but it's done totally legitimately you know like it's all you know lawyers are involved and you know and on one side you know in one jurisdiction it might be highly illegal and some other one it'll be totally legal so you know for example like banking secrecy it's, uh, you know you, you're you, you can just say or used to say for example in switzerland sorry don't need to tell you where that comes from total secrecy now of course they've changed it but there are still certain jurisdictions where you can have total secrecy you can go and hold it there a lot of mps have that and we saw that in the panama papers and all the other um, all those different um, caches that were revealed and whatnot. But that's how they do it. They, they do it totally legally. You know, it's kind of like, and, and I say sort of legally in inverted commas, but that's how, you know, a lot of dirty money is washed through sort of very legitimate corporations and all Yeah, sorts. when you have a certain amount of money and a certain amount of, um, you're connected to the right. Yeah, you bend the laws according to your own, uh, yeah, yeah. According to your own will. Yeah, and so this is this is kind of something which is only available once you reach a certain level of wealth. Whereas gold, silver, Bitcoin, to an extent, obviously there's the on-ramp and the off-ramp and whose yeah. wallet is it and all of that stuff. But technically speaking, it's it's the this is kind of the fundamental difference. It's your money. Like if you hold a gold coin. Someone's got to physically come and take that from you. If you have money in the bank, that's literally two taps on the keyboard. I mean, this is this is this was like the kind of Cyprus experiment in, yeah, in recent yeah. history, right? They just said anything over a hundred thousand yeah, euros is gone. Yeah. And I had a friend who had like one point something million in there, running his business off of it. Business just gone overnight. I mean, the, the, the warning flag is they're paying 15% yeah, no. and everyone else is paying 5%. <laughs> Three, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, got, you, you kind of would think... Um, yeah, I mean, similar thing happening in Iceland, right? The Icelandic yes, banks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. whenever someone's sort of paying more than everyone else, as we found out recently, right? <laughs> Shut shall, up. Not, shall not mention the man formerly known as Alex Mashinsky. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, when it's too good to be true... It's because it's not true. Yeah. I mean, that's that 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 absolutely is is so, a okay, but, to live by. Okay, but so what's the catch with Bitcoin? Because right now it sounds too good to be true. And I'm playing devil's advocate here because obviously you know I'm a believer. But this is this is the part where a lot of people say it's a scam. It's this. It's that. Like, what's your your response to that? That it's you know like how you know what would you say? In well, terms of that? I I think I think my kind of response to it is. Um, First and foremost is is like I bounce the question back is like I'm not saying it's too good to be true. You tell me why you think it's too good to be true. Like what what that I've said is the thing that you think is too good to be true. You know what it I mean? People people will say like oh it, I, I I it's a it's a legitimate question. But what I'm saying is. If I actually ask you back, okay, so like what, what specifically are the things about it that, that you think are too good to be true and I can address them? There was a couple of things. Like the first thing was actually, shout out to Krish, his, his point about computing power and it will just become easier and easier. But then I think you've kind of answered that, talking about the blocks and everything is self-regulating uh, self and, and you end up with this kind of 
Yeah, and also you, you have this, there's this concept called, um, I think it's called game theory of where there's, there's, there's always within a system, there's always like a natural competition to win. You want to do, you're going to do your best strategy to win. So whether you're playing chess or you're playing, or you're doing jujitsu, I mean, let's bring it back to jujitsu, perfect analogy, right? Your best strategy is pull guard. Mine is um, try to go for ankle picks or whatever. So I'm going to try to go for ankle picks. I'm not going to... I don't know, do inverted yeah. berimbola or whatever, because that's <laughs> not my best strategy. So the yeah. game theory says when there's something on the line, I'm going to go to my strongest game and you're going to go to your strongest game and then we compete as best we can and we come up with who who's the winner. So game theory would suggest if you if you if you come back to the computing power that's on the network at the moment, right? As big as the next 50 supercomputers put together, there's a financial cost to that. Building those right. those computers and running them and updating them and looking after them and the energy costs involved in all of that. Those guys want to they want to get Bitcoin because they are speculating that the, the price of Bitcoin yeah. is going up. So as new computer technology comes online, they are probably among the first adopters of right. whatever it is. So absolutely, you can have, oh shit, here comes another asteroid. Oh well, dinosaurs start again. You could have, I don't know, quantum computing, it cracks everything, yeah, nothing false. works. But again, if you have that scenario, you're still going back to wooden boats. Right. Because everything goes offline. The power goes off, the water goes off, the food goes off, everything goes okay, off. Okay, fair enough. That's a that's a Mad Max scenario, yeah. Like yeah. you said, it's, it's a black swan event and you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So it's a but, non-zero, it's a non-zero possibility. Right. But it's a it's a bit like your your yeah, head chopping. You don't worry about it. Yeah. You worry about we need food to okay. get to the end of so the we're gonna So die. my biggest worry then in, is acceptability and it being sort of, you know, legislated away and made made illegal and stuff like that, which they're already kind of slowly, slowly doing now with the off ramps and off on ramps if you i don't know why don't you explain a little bit about that well so there, so there's there's two there's two sort of i guess you say rebuttals to that so one is that in order to let's say make it illegal in inverted commas you have to get every yeah country on earth to agree and that's not going to happen again outside of mad max world correct yeah right once the king of the world owns the whole world you got you got other problems he could ban it or not ban it but until that happens you're talking about you know yeah china and whatever the u.s yeah, agreeing on hey what should we do about monetary policy no, or I get india that. and pakistan no, I get that. but but my my worry is more it's not so much oh you know how they said well now el salvador you know it's fully legal tender in el salvador but, but dude i'm not gonna fly to el salvador Right, every time I want to do something, so okay, I might do if every you know they've totally outlawed it, and you know they've they you know, and I've got a million in bitcoins or whatever, and I need to fly out. Yeah, I'll do it, but in reality, so you, most, so you, 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 all you, you need is your you, own country to ban it. No, what you need is again a little bit of a higher time preference. So as long as you can sit and wait, I mean, China, I think I'm right in saying that China banned, literally banned Bitcoin. I think they've banned it four times and yeah. unbanned it. Because 
it's the same as with everything else. It's the same reason why Saudi's opening up now and saying, oh, we're going to allow people to drink alcohol at home and these sorts of things. Because if your jurisdiction is shit, everyone leaves. Yeah. And they and all the smart people go somewhere else. And it might take a whole generation, but then that country just becomes incredibly prosperous and your country turns into a shithole because all the clever people went. This is, you know, what you see with like financial services yeah, and yeah. Uh, software engineers and all of that. They move where it's best. Where can I, where have I got the best people around me, the best facilities, the best tax incentives, the nicest place to live? Right, I'm going there. I'm in demand. That's where I'm going to go. So unless everyone bans it, no one's going to ban it. So, that, so I, I think, as I say, if you've got a little bit of a high time preference, if you can just wait a year, two years, three years, whatever, you don't worry about that. If there's even a rumor of the UK or France banning Bitcoin, first thing that will happen is everyone there starts buying it hand over fist because they're like, I need to get it before I can't get it. I, ju I just don't think it works like that, Jason. I, th I think what you're going to find is, and particularly with the British, you know, the way the British government works, you know, historically as well, it's done in, you know, very sort of classic sort of British subtlety and, you know, that sort of thing. So they don't, they don't say, right, we're going to ban it tomorrow, it's illegal. They'll say, all right, listen, uh, like, as we know, you know, you just got, woke up one morning, you get an email and you're, you know, you, know, you get an email from your bank saying, hello, we're so-and-so bank, your account, we, we, you can no longer buy crypto with your bank account. That's it. That's what they say. Yeah, Can't but there's, it, there's but. ways to circumvent it. Of course, it. yeah. But Legal, so, yeah. easy. And, and, but this is the thing, this, this again, it's, that game theory is multi-layered, right? Where there is demand, there will be supply. Where there's someone that wants to buy something, you're going to find someone that wants to sell it. That's that's human nature. So where the government, so for example, like I can't buy, every time I try to buy some Bitcoin from my bank account, they lock my account yeah. and I have to ring them up and spend three hours on the phone. Yeah. So I just kind of gave up buying it. Yeah. But then just recently, I've got that Revolut. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. You can just buy it with a, like one press on my phone. I can just transfer money from my bank account to the Revolut and then I can just buy some Bitcoin on my phone. And that's... Is there going to be a referral code in the description below? You know what? I'm actually not going to put one because, you know, people people for sure are going to accuse me of trying to sell something. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not I'm not putting anything. But there, there will, if you if you want to buy something... Generally, there will be a way you can buy it. And unless there's a hard ban, it will always be just to make it a bit difficult. So if you're lazy, you give up. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. But, but if you're not will, lazy, yeah, but you, you'll be fine. This is, this is exactly what will contribute to it not being widely adopted. Okay, because but, but the sec so this is the second half of the, of the answer to that question, which is what we talked about right at the beginning, right? The ETF is coming. Yeah. Pretty much we know, right? Pretty much we know. The price is the... Is, betrays the news yeah, right yeah, it leads yeah, the news yeah. the market knows so what an etf is just in case you're not sure it's an exchange traded fund so it would be for example we go back to lloyd's or, or natwest or whatever they're like investment part of their bank creates a vehicle where they buy bitcoin or they buy gold or they buy shares in the top 10 tech stocks or whatever it is and then they just create this product where you can buy shares of that with your ISA, with yeah. your PEP, with your pension, with your... It's basically shares in a fund. It's That's basically it. shares in a fund, yeah. And that yeah. fund can purchase the stuff that it, it's it's, supposed to it be says it's yeah, going to exactly. purchase. So there's been this big thing for the last sort of three, four, five years 
about the Bitcoin ETFs. And what, what you find, which goes back to, again, like a bigger sort of problem, is that all of the financial institutions and the governments have been slagging off Bitcoin and saying yep. it's for drug dealing, it's for terrorism, yep. it's this, it's that, child pornography, the dark web, you can't trust it, it's been hacked, it's not real, whatever. They, it's called FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. They've been fudding it for the last five years. And the reason is because it wasn't big enough in terms of the market value and it wasn't the right time in terms of geopolitics and in terms of the way the banks move and trade and everything else for them to get involved with it. So they just go, we're just going to keep throwing mud at it. And again, anyone who's lazy, anyone who just watches the news headlines and goes, oh, yeah, I knew Bitcoin was shit, bro. Look, someone hacked it. It's, it's been, it's been <laughs> apparently it's been yeah. hacked like a hundred times, yeah, yeah. right? But it's never been hacked. It's never missed a block. Mm. It's never missed a beat. But then you'll find a hundred stories of Bitcoin got hacked. And you read that and you're like, yeah, see, I told you it was rubbish. I'm not, I'm not buying any. And that's been enough to keep most people from actually doing any real research. But for whatever reason, and we don't even need to really care why, the big boys have decided, shall we, shall we pull the trigger? But that is, no, but that is, I think that's an important, important point because that's something, something certainly I'm curious about all the time. I'm just like... What is the end game here? I have a I have a speculation on that, but I'm saying in terms of of dealing with your question of like right. what if it gets yeah. banned? So A, they're not going to ban it, and B, as soon as the big boys are involved, no they're going to pump the living shit yeah. out of it. It's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. I tell you, the fud you hear about terrorism and this and that and the other and about it's uses too much energy and whatever, it's going to flip on its head. They're going to say it's the most energy efficient thing ever. It's amazing. You can have solar panels on school roofs in Africa and they can, <laughs> it's going to use up unused uh, flared gas yeah, in yeah. Texas. It stabilizes the grid. It, it's going to be the best thing ever. That's what they're going to do. And so once the, the institutions are involved, they have an incentive to, to to just keep pumping it. It's not going to get banned. They just wanted to keep you lot listening to this out of it until they were in it. So then when you go in and buy it and you just buy the ETF or even if you buy Bitcoin, you're pumping what they've already been buying for the last few years on the cheap. I mean, that, and it's, it's, it's interesting that we're literally doing this today because we, we decided to do this a few weeks ago, yeah. right? And the price was just languishing, doing <laughs> nothing. It was sitting there going sideways. Is that, that the stick? Do something. You know, the little I, meme I, guy. I, I reckon what's going to happen is the biggest fear is they can't control it, right? That's because it's uncontrollable, blah, blah, blah. But once you own, let's say, whatever, out of the 21 million coins that, that can exist, if you own the bulk of them, let's say the sort of 18 million or whatever it is, or at least, you know, again, a bulk of that, that 18 million. That's it. You you basically control it then. You, but you but you you've got to buy them. Yeah. And this comes what, back to your supply yeah. and demand. Right. But that's why they've been fudding it all this time. Slowly, slowly in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like their CEOs come out. We won't name names. Their CEOs come out and diss it. But in the background, they've just, you know, we, we open up all the news. So you see the job headlines, you know, so-and-so bank is setting up a crypto team, blah, blah. So 
on the back on the backside they're picking it you know they're picking it up everywhere wherever they can at every opportunity but slagging it off to every you know to main street then eventually they have what is basically a closed system because that's the biggest fear they can't control it right now it's a great system but they can't control it it's basically an alternative to cash yeah. this way you control it that's but, what i think it is but in order for them to have a controlling stake they would need to I don't, I don't know even whether controlling the coins, enough of the coins would do it. If you had everything, obviously, then it's, yeah. that's fine, right? It's like Monopoly. Once you've owned all no, the but, squares, there's no, no but game. Hold on, but no, but all you do is you say you can only buy your Bitcoins through so-and-so asset manager, you know, like the, the ETF company. You can only buy it through them or through the big banks or whoever. So the government, you know, they all work, you know, they're all one hand in, you know, they're hand in glove, right? They're, right, you guys tighten up some of the laws over here and on this side we're going to make things easier to you know to to trade for the man in the street and then it all works together and it's a nice cushy little yes circle but i think that that a i, I don't think that that system kind of holds water because there will always be other jurisdictions that are saying we're not doing that like you can just come and do it with us no problem and 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 this is the thing right if you use a vpn to anonymize your internet connection no one really knows where you are. So then it's just a question of moving numbers from one place to another place. Now, if all your money, we pick on Lloyd's again, is in Lloyd's, and Lloyd's has got, you know, 55 filters so you can't do nothing, you're fucked. You should have been less lazy for the last 10 years. Right. I'm not saying it's, it's all, it's all going to be roses for everybody. If you're a lazy bastard and you've just been watching Netflix, too bad. You, 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 you know, you've, you're getting close to kind of missing the boat. In between where we are now and that system where the big boys own a lot of it and they control a lot of the flow and everything else, there's a there's a ten times or a five hundred times up in the price. Yeah, and that's the the point at which if you had so let's just say for example you had one whole bitcoin, which even now is actually difficult to get. I mean you're talking yeah. about today's price $35,000 yeah. not just have you got 35,000 to spend on it but have you got 35,000 that you're willing to spend <laughs> on it right instead of yeah. buying something that you understand better or you trust more or is a bit more you know there's not a lot of people now that are going to go out and buy a whole bitcoin but let's just say for sake of of argument that you had one whole bitcoin and today's price is 35,000 and you know about the halving and you know about the ETF coming and whatever, whatever, whatever. And just to just to make this point clear in case people don't understand, you can they, they're divisible into 100 million pieces. So you don't have to sell one Bitcoin. You can sell 0 0.000000. can sell £5 worth, £10 worth. At what price would you sell, you personally, sell what percentage of that one Bitcoin that you have? It's 35,000 now, and just with the conversation that we've just had about the halving and the, all of that and the price and it pumping and whatever. Like, wh at what price do you go, oh, I'm going to get rid of, I don't know, not a quarter of my Bitcoin or half or three quarters or whatever? I'd, I'd be holding on. Till, till, till. Oh, okay, say you had two. Say you had two. Yeah. I'd only hold, I mean, I'm only going to hold on when there's a fear of the downside. So I'm going to keep holding it, and you know, for as long as it keeps going up. 
Okay, so well, so so literally, like you literally, we come back to the very beginning, right? You buy your coffees with pounds, you store your money in Bitcoin. Yeah. You, your your time horizon is forever because it's going to go up forever. I mean, that's that's literally that that probably ties everything together right there. You know, it's like you you come right back to your jujitsu. You just keep training. How long are you keep training for? Forever. Jujitsu is still jujitsu. Still going to be yeah. jujitsu. Go to the mat. You train. Some days you win, some days you lose, you know, every five minutes. I like minutes. how you tied that in. Yeah, I mean, okay. it kind of is, I'll, right? I'll give it to you. When, when do I, when, how long am I going to train? Forever, until I can't train anymore. But, but just to, actually, just to throw like a real esoteric um, point on maybe towards the end of this. There's a, there's a saying with money that you can't take it with you. Right. Bitcoin is the first money that you oh. can take with you. No, but that's that's a bit of a stretch because that's like me just taking my cash and burying it without telling anyone where it is and it's gone. Same way you just put it in a wallet and you die, then yeah, no one can touch it. Cash, we, we put to one side because paper okay. degrades. But, so if we're talking about hard money. Gold? Right? I can take that with me. And you're telling me no one's going to find it. What's the history of... Uh, of our yeah. history is the gold <laughs> raiders, right? They fucking dig everything yeah, up and everything. knock everything down to get the gold, right? The gold <laughs> is is there, and someone you can bet okay, your no, but I'm, I'm sort of saying someone's going to find it. If I just had some and you know I didn't tell anyone, or oh, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, someone will. That's what I'm saying. It's philosophical. Find it all. But someone yeah, will yeah, find yeah. it eventually. Right, right, right. Even yeah. if we have a hundred go rounds of civilization, yeah, someone's going to find also, it. Yeah. The the private key that you have. If no one else knows it and you die, you take the Bitcoin yeah. with you. And in so doing, you reduce the total amount of Bitcoin that can ever exist. Mm. So you actually make everyone else's Bitcoin more mm. valuable yeah. by taking your private keys with you. You know, you could give them to your kids, your grandkids, whatever. But theoretically, Bitcoin is the first money that you can take with you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's an interesting point, but I mean, I, I still think a lot of these things are sort of just, they're a bit of a reach just to kind of, you know, a self-serving argument or whatever. But yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. That's what I'll say. Cool. Like it. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to make my statement again. And then, um, as I always say, you guys who, um, never comment on my posts, <laughs> feel free to comment. And occasionally people just send me DMs. I'm like, write it right. under the post. So if you're listening to this and you want to send me a DM, just write it under the post. Like then everyone can see it. Up, guys. Get our engagement up from one to two. And that's um, usually Smith saying, this one's great. And I'm like, yeah, you were on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you, if, you, um, if you agree or disagree, then feel free to leave a comment somewhere. Bitcoin is the BJJ of money. I think that's where we end it. You said it. We've come full circle. It's You're still awake. I'm just about, just but, um, about. But actually, I do feel like I've learned a little bit more. It's yeah. um, it's it's definitely helped. Don't agree but. to don't agree to come on a podcast. Is <laughs> the lesson that has <laughs> yeah. been learned. Once I open my laptop and start reading, <laughs> go go do the hedge, reverse Homer yeah, into the hedge. Away. Yeah. Well, you had the couch today, right? So you had the comfy. Yeah. You had the comfy. It's spot. not as comfortable as it looks. That's like fidgeting on my It's better than this. Me. 
Yeah, that one. This, this, I keep slouching. This one. We should. Oh. What we should do is, I think on this one, on um, this subject matter or whatever, you should do another one as well. Like, on? On? like I reckon you should edit this down because the first half hour, it was so economics, like economic theory. I just thought, fuck me. Like, first of all, I don't know enough about economic theory because it's theory and what we trade. It's very, you know, it's mm-hmm. trading is a bit kind of, you know, you roll the dice a bit and use your common sense. Whereas this is like the money supply, M1, you know, demand supply. And also, you know, the other thing I was trying to sort of convey is it's it's kind of cherry, you're, you're sort of cherry picking details and then going, it's a bit like, you know, how a doctor sort of goes, we look at an x-ray and look at this. But then you get some man from the street and he'll go, well, he had a temperature and that's why he died. Right? And you go, well, yeah, it's correct that the body temperature does go up. Huh? That's why he died. <laughs> don't mention it. Yeah, I'm don't not mention it. Otherwise, your engagement. It wasn't go. the temperature. <laughs> it was this. Your engagement will go down to completely to zero. But um, Band no, again. That's, no, but it's um, I forgot what I was going to say now. But um, yeah, cherry picking my arguments. Yeah, that it's that. Yeah, okay, you know, people. People might be on the verge of death if they got a very, very high temperature, but that's not the actual reason or whatever. So it's a bit like that. And, and the thing I've also found about finance, you always find there's multiple reasons because there's just so many moving parts. This is why even AI still struggles to, to, call, a, you know, to call a market and say, this is which way the market's going to go because it's almost totally random. There's just, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of theory, you know, there's some sort of algorithm that could solve it. But there's just so many moving parts. You're just going to need billions and billions and billions of computers. Maybe AI will learn it in the next couple of years. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's just just to then to, to to throw something in there, which which does inform to a degree. You know, the too good to be true and the price and whatever. Is there's something which is which is well accepted by everyone, which is the adoption S curve. Yeah. So when you have yeah. a new th- fridges. Vacuum cleaners, color tellies, doesn't matter. There's an S-curve. So it's like very, very slow adoption and then suddenly it ramps up really quickly and then it tails off. So only the sort of experiment guys yeah. buy it at the beginning, then everyone buys it and then your mate who's been living in a forest for four years comes out and he's like, oh, what's this television thing? They're there at the end. So that actually does give you quite a good insight into the price of most new technologies that get... Um, accepted in terms of if they're a, like a consumer technology, the price is going to go down for the quality you get. Like my, my flat TV example, mm, right? Yeah. Now you get a wicked telly for 500 quid that used to cost you 10 grand for something equivalent. But if it's like a, like a, like a financial technology, it's going to go up in value because yeah. more people are trying to buy it and it's an asset to store value. So, so, underlying all the other maths of, of you know, the, the other things about Bitcoin, it's just sitting on top of, a, of an S-curve, like, yeah, yeah. like most other things. And I, that, I, I really reckon you should do a part two, because on part two, because I, I think the theory of why Bitcoin works or whatever, I think yeah, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. We know the answer, it's, or majority of people do know the answer, but it's the practicalities of it, like how I'll say, will they close it down? Will they do this? How do I... What ways do I go around it? What if they do close it down? What if they do ban it? What do I do there? How do I get my money in? How do I get my money out? Those, you know, I think I, those are the ones that people really want to... I, I, I could, but it's, it's A, such a fast-changing yeah, environment. Yeah. No, but that's more... Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And B, if I say to someone, oh, you should do this, because yeah, this like, wallet's better than that wallet, yeah. in our recent experience of saying to people, hey, yeah, yeah. Celsius looks great, 
and it turned out to yeah, be and not. Then they're like, bro, right? So, I, so um, I, I, I might, I might come back to I, it, but I, I don't, I don't think necessarily sort of use this or use this sex, uh, this uh, um, central, you know, central exchange or whatever. It's more, you know, these kind of the discursive content that, like, like I say, what happens? What if tomorrow um, England just says, right, we're banning it? It's banned. It's illegal to transact in it. What are we? What are you going to do? What are we going to do? What am I going to do? Well, but that, that comes right back to the beginning that I said you spread your risk. Yeah. You might have 10% of what's available is Bitcoin, 10% is in gold, you've got one Rolex, you've got one bag, you've got yeah. one house, you've got, you know, some cash. Then it's not... Then you don't then, worry yeah, about Yeah, but it. then in my view, then it's not the ultimate in cash. It's kind of like, or, you know, whatever, the ultimate in money. It's, it's just a, yet another asset class. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm not saying it isn't. I mean, I, I think... Um, well, there's, there's, so there, again, there's like a saying within the, the, this, this space. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. It's like the wheel is the next wheel. Yeah. You can't invent the wheel again. The wheel is the wheel. There was no wheel and then there was Sorry. wheel. It's like the same with fire, right? Fire is the next fire. You're taking a picture of me? Yeah, that's it. Fire is the next yeah. fire. If you're listening to this, I apologise. Smith's taking a picture of me and I'm trying to look like a <laughs> Hopefully you're gonna cowboy. A gopnik. A what? Gopnik. At least a Russian for like um, ghetto youth. You know, oh, I look like. like. Yeah, gopnik. You've got sunglasses, trainers and tracksuit. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah, the wheel is the next wheel. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I'm, I'm not saying that it's the only thing that you should have. I'm just saying that it's a technology. It didn't exist and now it exists. It's something which is going to change the world. I don't think there can really be much debate on that. How it changes the world, what it ends up being worth, etc. That's all open to debate. That I have, for, you know, speculation on other people will have different speculations. But I think on. that's where you. That's get what the, makes a market. That's where you'll get the debate. I think the real kind of. If you guys want to hear more of a debate on it, then leave a comment. If I get some engagement on it and people want another episode on it, I do another one. That's 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 no problem. Stick it in the comments, guys. Stick it in the comments. Stick it in the comments, Krish, when you want to come along and diss Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Krish, <laughs> Krish is always welcome. I love Krish. Yeah, Shout so we out got to a game. Maybe so we should get him. Yeah, yeah. Krish has been on twice. So if you want to hear the first episode I did with Krish, and you're on YouTube, you'll see it just here. And if you want to hear the second episode I did with Krish, you're going to see it. There. No, it's still here. <laughs> they always go in there. I don't know how to move them. Still here, but after the first one. So uh, yeah, you can you can click on those. So uh, hopefully that is slightly clearer on Bitcoin than it was. I don't even know if it is, but yeah, I like talking about Bitcoin. So yeah, Bitcoin is the uh, the jujitsu of money. There we go. There we go. Thank you for don't coming. Get a, don't Thank get an armbar. Don't get armbarred, and don't lose your private key. <laughs> don't lose your private key and don't get on board yeah so thank you for coming in nice one, I appreciate your time I appreciate your um, conversation and um, yeah any we'll be, any time we'll be back we'll do a Christmas we'll do a Christmas one Christmas with Ben Christmas special with uh, shout out to Ben for, with, with a coming soonish Christmas special <laughs> and thank you guys for listening um, if you managed to stay all the way through without well, then going it's to time sleep to wake or, up yeah <laughs> three two one you're back in the room yeah and if you were driving while you were listening and went to sleep and you haven't crashed, you've probably taken your on, bitcoin with good you. on you 
Yeah, you've added to the value of uh, of of everyone else's coins. So uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, follow on Instagram at White Basement Pod. Follow on Spotify. Leave us a review on Spotify. Give me. Give me anything. One Hit star, five likes, stars. Subscribe. Doesn't matter. Just leave Get a comment. It all in there. Likes, subscribes, comment on the Insta posts, share them with other people, follow the podcast, subscribe on YouTube. YouTube's sort of doing quite well now, better than the downloads. So um, keep watching on, on YouTube. Hit the subscribe, hit the like button, share them with other people. New episode every Tuesday, 5 a.m. And we'll catch you next time. Bitcoin, please go to moon Stop going sideways now Don't ever say we going down to 1k But Mr. Novokrat say we have Atomed out Atomed out Novokrat is bullish Atomed out this podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, Chugga Mushroom, known as the King of Mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain boosting, neuron sharpening, cognition enhancing. Lion's Mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super Stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day, helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co and use the discount code WHITEBASEMENTPOD to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to Enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now.